Uh, Daniel chapter 1, we'll look at the whole uh, chapter. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them into the land of Shinar to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, used without blemish of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's place, palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The Babylonians. Uh, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the king who was signed uh, in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has signed your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to the steward, and the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servants for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance, and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food, be observed by you. And deal with your, your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for ten days. And at the end of ten days it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh, that is, healthier, than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. And at the end of the time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them. And among all of them, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. Uh, The grass withers and the flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord endures uh, forever. And we pray that it endure uh, in our hearts as well. 
years down the road, um, if someone was, uh, was writing about your life and they had about a page to say something about your college experience, um, what do you think would, would appear, would make it onto that page? There's just a, just a page or so about your college experience. Maybe what would you even want to appear uh, on that page? Maybe, maybe your major is going to be there, the grades that you got, or academic achievements. Uh, maybe a particular class or two that you took that kind of you know, set the course you were going, or a professor that uh, had a significant influence on you. Uh, maybe it would be more relationships of friends that you met. Uh, people that you spent time with that were close to you, that impacted you, um, that, that you were kind of formed with, that you had an impact uh, on them. Maybe it'd be more, you know, just events, different things that you uh, went to or did, whether that's parties or socials or football games or just, just jokes and laughing and good times that you had. Maybe there'd be religious things um, on that page as well. Spiritual growth or maturity or understanding or struggles, uh, maybe even failures, challenges uh, that you faced. Um, what would make it on onto that page? Maybe sports things, intramurals, or just like what was going on in you know, Seminole sports uh, at the time? Because I was here from 96 to 2000, Karen and I, and almost invariably I will tell folks that every, time, every year is a good year to be a Seminole, but those were particularly good years to be Seminoles. We didn't lose a single home football game the whole four years that I was a student. Um, and our last year, we, uh, we won the national championship. Um, so good, so good. <clears throat> um, what, what would be on that page describing, describing your, your college experience? Because this, this page that we've just read uh, from Daniel 1 is the, is the divinely inspired record covering what generally approximates Daniel's uh, college experience. Uh, if, if I can put it that way, a lot of things would be different, but some things are similar. Just to let you kind of relate uh, to Daniel in this. Um, it's kind of describing to you his college experience at the, at the University of Babylon, right? The, the three years that he spent uh, studying the language and the literature of the, of the Chaldeans. Um, a lot of things different, but, but here's Daniel. He would have been a little bit younger than you all are, um, but he would have moved away from home, being placed in a, in a foreign, foreign place, foreign experience. Uh, he would have been taken along with a lot of the best where he was, uh, best family, the, the most educated, uh, those who have, a, have some hope and some future uh, that they're looking towards, um, and taken to a cultural center of influence uh, in the world. This is a lot of what's true about our university system. And, um, and taken there for, to be educated, uh, to spend three years uh, learning, as it says, the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Or the, as to say, the, the culture, uh, the doctrine, the history, uh, the values of, of Babylon, the great Babylonian empire. And he's being educated for what would sound like a pretty good job, right? College isn't just about college, remember? It's like, you know, there's something that you're headed to. Um, freshmen, you're like, what? And seniors, you're like, yeah, I know, I know. Um, but, but here he is, he's, he's about to be, uh, they're training him to be an official of, of the emperor, an official of King Nebuchadnezzar uh, in the Babylonian Empire. We'll see later in Daniel some of how that works out for, for him in particular. Um, and, and even, you know, obviously as you read the text, uh, apparently he was on a meal plan. Um, so it has to be some kind of college experience, right? <clears throat> 
Um, I'm sure there's a lot of other things that were significant for Daniel as he went through here. Um, but, but what has God placed the greatest focus of detail on as you read through this chapter? Uh, it might seem to be his diet or, or meal plan. I think that's the circumstances around which uh, the, 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 the significance is focused. Um, and I think you see it in verse 9. Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. Um, that he would not uh, impurely or, or be a, a half-hearted uh, follower of the Lord. Uh, he's not going to defile himself. Here's this, this food issue. But Daniel was intent to not be changed by his new setting so that he no longer followed God wholeheartedly. He looked at all these things that were around him and all these changes that were in it and, and all, these, all these things that would lead him uh, into just being a Babylonian. No longer being a Hebrew and an Israelite and a follower of the Lord. And he set himself and purposed himself uh, that he would follow, uh, follow God first. Uh, not man and not other people's opinions. He set himself to not be uh, corrupted. Even, even from the very beginning. Uh, that, that's what scripture records for Daniel's, uh, Daniel's experience what would be said in the page about your college experience? Uh, on mine, it would probably have to include some kind of line of uh, not like Daniel. Um, all right, but, but as we move through this passage, and that's what we're going to do, is kind of take through the different sections of this passage. Um, I am not wanting to get you to be self-focused, uh, self-centered, looking at the passage for how is it about you. Here was Daniel's actions, and how do your actions compare to that, and are you good like it? As much as Daniel is in, in the book of Daniel an example for us and a model for us, he's not a model of self-focused moral achievement. Uh, he's not a model of, of self-centered self-righteousness uh, or, or a hypocrite. He is dependent. He's dependent on the Lord uh, throughout. It's his faith uh, that we see uh, expressed here. So instead, what I want us to do is to focus on what God's doing uh, in this passage and how we relate to that. Um, because, because the passage mentions three things that God does. There's three times that it, that it mentions God uh, with a verb. Verse 2, uh, verse 9, and then verse 17. And you can look at it there. Uh, in verse 2, it says... The Lord, each time it says something about the Lord giving, right? So the first time, uh, verse 2, the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of, uh, king of Jerusalem, uh, king of Judah and Jerusalem, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. He, he gave them up, gave their, gave their king to their enemy. Uh, secondly, in verse 9, he, um, he gave Daniel favor uh, in the eyes of the court official that was over him. And then thirdly, in verse 17, it says that uh, concerning Daniel and, and his friends, that God gave them a learning, wisdom, skill. Uh, and as you read through it, eventually you see a success. A success in that, in that place and what they were and what they're doing. Um, and and take, take each of these three things, and what you see is that it's all, it's all depending on what God gives. That's how I want to go through the passage. If you're getting a theme, uh, that's it. Depending on what God gives. And we'll look at these three different sides for it. But as we go through it, I want you to ask yourself, do you recognize that this is, the, this is part of the theme of the whole book of Daniel? Do you recognize that everything depends on what God gives? Do you agree with that? Maybe you disagree with that. 
Um, is that really what this is saying? How does that matter? Can that be true? Do you recognize that everything depends on what God gives? Because that's what Daniel is saying. And if you realize that, do you actively depend on what God gives? And rest in what he's, he's doing. Uh, because it's all depending on what God gives. So first point, uh, given away. We're looking at this first, first section, starting with uh, uh, Jerusalem being overthrown uh, and going on down uh, through, uh, through verse 7. So this first section, uh, they're, they're given away. Uh, and it's, this is the Lord doing it. It says the Lord gave Jehoiakim. The Lord gave them to their enemies. That's what's going on here historically uh, in the exile is that God allowed their enemies to triumph over them uh, and it was part of, part of God's doing. The Lord gave them to their enemies. Listen, this was not like a, a pleasant experience for Daniel. He's not, he didn't like apply to go to the University of Babylon like, yes, I got in. Um, it was closer to having to go to Gainesville for college. Or, <laughs> yeah. um, no, but he is, he is captured and taken away uh, by his enemies. Uh, and he is forced to be in their culture, surrounded by them, uh, being trained by them and learning what they do. He's forced to learn their ways, live among them, contribute to, to their society. Uh, one of the commentators on this passage even talks about it as, as being a, a kind of a system of brainwashing to a degree. Um, that, that they're taking the, the youth, the, the important youth from, uh, from that culture, taking them to Babylon, giving them new names, uh, surrounding them uh, with an overflow of new information and a new cultural setting where that's all that they're getting and they're required to be part of it, constantly immersed in that different culture and values, expecting that what comes out from that. A lot of people who are the same as those things that they've, that they've heard. Um, given away, the Lord gave them to their enemies. How do you think it would feel to be in that kind of historical situation? Where you're, you're given away by God. Really, this was a rejection. Uh, this is part of a punishment uh, from God against his people for their unfaithfulness uh, that, he had, that he had warned them about and warned them continually. You can look back uh, through Scripture. You can, if you want, you can turn over to Isaiah 39 that you see a particular prophesi- prophecy about this. Um, that, that before Babylon was this great uh, empire, or where it was at this point, several uh, while earlier, uh, some people from Babylon had come when Hezekiah was king, and uh, he took them all around and showed him all the great stuff he had. He was kind of like, let me show off you know, what's going on in our kingdom. Showed them all his treasures, showed them the treasures in the, in the house of God. Uh, and Isaiah comes to him and says, what did you do? He tells him that's what he, that's what he did. Then Isaiah said to uh, Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that's in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away and that shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Other occasions of him mourning this. But there was a warning and people continued to uh, disobey God and he, he brought about this punishment, this rejection. Uh, now, God remains true to his promises to care for his people and to redeem them, but, but still there was this experience. Um, and if, if, we were in that, if we were in that period, in that exile, I think it would be very easy to just give up on God. I had to feel like here we are not good enough for God, and he's, 
Man, we can't even, we can't go to the temple. We can't uh, go to these places of worship. We're, we're not with God's people. We're not in a place where we thought this is where his particular presence even, even is. And it feels like God's rejected us and placed us here. It's, it's easy to give in. When you're surrounded by a, a lush and a lavish, extravagant uh, culture and spending most of the hours of your day um, uh, learning it and being part of it. Uh, or maybe even to feel like if this is what brought about, if the, if the treasures of the, of the temple are now in this, in this God, maybe this is all that's left to us. Now listen, Nebuchadnezzar knew what he was doing um, in, in bringing them in. He did this in other places that he would conquer as well. Um, to not just have a military victory. Uh, we're then, okay, we won, now keep paying us tribute and leaving um, because then they'll eventually get powerful and fight you again. But, but he decides he takes their, their best and their brightest away and essentially make Babylonians out of them. And then bring them back. And then the people that they would look to are the very ones who are saying, yeah, Nebuchadnezzar's our God. This is, this is the kind of values we want. Uh, it's, the, it's the temptation of, of, to assimilate, uh, to become like those around them, uh, to fit in uh, with those who uh, don't, to take on a new identity uh, with a new name. I think that's part of what's behind their new names. Part of it's just a different language, a different culture, a different setting, and, uh, and you can do that. But there's, there's a meaning to their names. Each of their names either has uh, El, which is the Hebrew for God, or if you see the I-A-H, that's from uh, Yahweh, uh, uh, God's name. Each of, each of their names has a reference to the God that they belong to. Now they're given a, a new name, most of which has uh, Babylonian uh, religious uh, connotations uh, to them. There are plenty of excuses to give in, to give up on their old identity, their old way of life. It would be easy for them to become of the world because they're very much in that world in Babylon. And I think if we were there with Daniel, it would feel like it, it, feel like it just didn't make sense. Like, why is this going on? What's happening here? It would feel like everything is out of place. Um, and I think you get this, Daniel, setting you up for the theme of the whole book of Daniel uh, from the very first two verses. Um, that, that, all right, what's out of place there uh, that, that the Lord is doing? That the, that the, very, that the uh, king that God's appointed over his people is taken out of the place of rule over his people and taken away. That the very uh, vessels and, and, and pieces that were uh, belonged to God that were in his temple were taken away and placed in the house of another god which symbolically is to say our God's bigger than your God because our God now has your stuff and your God can't do anything about it. Um, it's out of place. The things of the Lord do not belong to the things of this, of this pagan God. And yet God is the one who's brought this about. Everything's out of place, but it's out of place because God's purpose it that way. It is part of a deeper purpose of what our God is bringing about. Um, <clears throat> God's people wouldn't be ultimately rejected, uh, but restored. Uh, the same promises uh, the prophets spoke of of the exile, and the same prophets also spoke of restoration, of God's people being brought back to, to the land, of God continuing his promises to them, even bring uh, a redeemer, a savior uh, from them. Uh, and God trusted, and Daniel trusted in God's promises to continue uh, his covenant faithfulness to his people. Now, for us on this side, it's a little bit easier and maybe a little bit fuller uh, to look at it. We can see that this, this not just that they were rejected, that we might be rejected, uh, that ultimately Jesus was the one that was rejected. 
Um, that the father turned his face away uh, from his son uh, because of our guilt and our sins being placed upon it. That's what he was representing. Uh, That's why Jesus calls out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's that rejection. But he uh, took that in our place, and as he was raised, uh, we get to be restored to relationship with him. Uh, and whatever hard providences God brings us about, and whenever it feels like God even gave us over to our enemies or the things that we didn't want to experience and had prayed and hoped wouldn't happen, uh, there God is still, his promises remain true. Uh, that he has promised more and hope that's not conditioned upon us, it's conditioned upon uh, Jesus being rejected, that we're not rejected. And Jesus restoring us to him to have life in him. To have a full and secure identity uh, in Christ. We don't have to feel given away by hard circumstances uh, because Jesus was given away by God for us and raised for us. So just as Daniel could hope in God's promises, uh, we, can, uh, we can hope that God, because God has placed us where he wants us to serve him, we can have confidence in that. Even looking at the hard kind of historical situation that they were in, of being given into the hand of their enemies. That's the first part, uh, given away. Second part, uh, given favor. Uh, I said you see it in in verse 9, that God gave Daniel favor in the sight of the chief eunuch, the chief uh, official there. Though God's given them over to their enemies, he, he hasn't just relinquished his hand on them, has he? Um, he gives Daniel favor in the sight of his enemies. I mean, you kind of feel like whenever, like, like that person that you just don't want to see because you know they hate you, and if they ever get the chance, they're going to make your life miserable. Um, you don't ever expect them to do something good for you. Uh, and here, here's this person who has no reason at all to, to give Daniel, Daniel any kind of special treatment. Um, but God gave Daniel favor, compassion, uh, mercy uh, in that man's eyes. Um, Daniel doesn't give up on God. Uh, he resolves himself to depend on God. He decides to follow God and makes himself rely on whatever it is that God gives uh, because he trusts that God is still in control um, of all these things. <laughs> all right, so, so Daniel takes a stand, but before we look at, at where or how Daniel takes a stand, I want you to notice what's not a problem to Daniel. Um, because I think in the present day, uh, as Christians, we often are fighting the wrong battles and taking a stand over the wrong kind of things. Uh, um, he, he doesn't have a problem with, with where he is, which is kind of a big deal because he's no longer in the land that God's promised. He's in the land of God's enemies, as in the Babylonian Empire. But he doesn't just like, I refuse to eat until you'll take me back home or until you'll promise at a certain time I'll, I'll do this. He, he doesn't fight the battle over that. Um, uh, sometimes I think we, we worry about the place or the things we're going to. You don't have to always go to the, uh, the Christian mechanic or the Christian restaurant or the Christian store or the Christian school or you don't always necessarily have to have Christian roommates or all these things. And we feel the place that you're in doesn't defile you. It, it doesn't. Um, that's not where defilement comes from. That's not the, the battle that uh, Daniel fights. Um, he doesn't even fight the, the change of his name. Um, his identity the way other people uh, see him, even though his old name pointed uh, to the Lord. Other people's opinions of you don't define who you are and your identity. Um, 
to put it this way, uh, your, your moral reputation shouldn't be what you aim for. Uh, I think sometimes we can get caught up in that. How do other people see us? What, what, what do they see about my life and how that is, is important? And it leads us into being a hypocrite who never admits that we're wrong and that we do things that are ugly and that we need Jesus. Your, your moral t- uh, reputation shouldn't be your, your uh, aim. And Daniel lets himself uh, be called Belteshazzar. Same for the others. Um, he doesn't make a stand about speaking a different language and adjusting culturally. Uh, language is kind of one of those key things about culture, and there's all kind of other cultural values. This is what he was learning, living in, and being a part of. I think a lot of time we act like old traditions are better because that's the way things were. That's the way things were where we came from or the way they did things in our church or among Christians that we knew. Or sometimes we think, out with the old way, Here's a better way. This is our new tradition. This is the way we want to do stuff. And, and some things are not biblical values. They're just cultural values. Like the languages you speak. Um, and, and Daniel isn't worried about that. Uh, that would be hard to go through, but it's not what he fights over. Not even does he object to the thorough study of almost all things Babylonian. All Babylonian values, right? Um, let me say to you, like, like please don't hide from, uh, uh, from non-Christian academic teaching. Like, I'm thrilled that y'all are here at Florida State. Uh, and a whole, most of the teaching that you're going to get is not coming from a biblical perspectives or biblical values or intended to be taught in such a way that glorify God. I wish it was. But I'm glad that you're here and you shouldn't be afraid of that or hiding from that. Daniel, his friends, they're not afraid of that. Uh, they spend three years studying, please, please don't hide, uh, from non-Christian academic teaching. Uh, there are great things that you can learn from it. Believers shouldn't be afraid of it, can benefit from, from knowing it. Um, listen, if you sign up for one of the Old Testament or New Testament classes here, please talk to me. I would love to help you through that. They will teach you a lot of things that will be direct challenges to your faith, and it's difficult to go through. But I also wouldn't say to you, don't take that class. It's going to have you reading the Bible and studying both what... What, uh, what it says and what other people have said about it. There are good things uh, through that. Um, Daniel's not afraid of being placed in a context where he is learning about this different culture's religion, their gods, their mythologies, their values, their cultures, their morals, their ethics, the whole thing. Um, in fact, as we'll see, he succeeds in that. He knows it better than anybody else. Um, that's an example for us. Listen, none of those things are things that would defile him. And they didn't involve any compromise of his faith. That's where, the, uh, that's where we see it. Where, where does Daniel draw the line? That's where we see him draw the line. At defilement. Uh, impurity. Half-heartedness. Not fully committed uh, to God and what God has told him to do or how God has told him to live. Uh, it comes out over this issue of, the, uh, of what they're eating, the king's food uh, and the king's uh, wine. The main issue probably, there's some things about this that are a little bit difficult, but the main issue probably is some of the Jewish dietary laws uh, like no bacon. Um, and you got to appreciate for Daniel, there's like this plate of bacon right there. And he's like, no, I'm going to eat vegetables. I mean, that's a, that's a strong, some of us still have struggled with that stand. Um, but listen, there's a, there's a uh, Jewish dietary laws, like things that God has revealed to them and says, this is how you're supposed to live. And he says, I'm not going to compromise on that. And by the way, the New Testament says those don't apply uh, to us anymore after Christ. It's not what outside that, uh, that comes in that defiles, but what's inside in the heart, Jesus says. Um, the difficulty is the Old Testament doesn't prohibit uh, wine. Um, so 
but that's one of Daniel's issues as well, unless they were constantly drinking that. So there's likely more involved, um, probably has something to do with the luxuriant lifestyle. Um, one of the commentators says this, uh, that the, the, the situation they were putting him would encourage him uh, to focus on himself and a lifestyle of, of enjoyment and self-indulgence. Uh, and, and that's something that God calls us against. <laughs> but there's, so, there's things about it that involved compromise with biblical values, with things that God had said, not just that he liked or he had come from, but what God had said. And believers should be ready uh, with Daniel to stand on what God has told us to do, however odd, however difficult, however much it doesn't fit, and we feel out of place because of it. I think it's fascinating to see how Daniel takes his stand. Um, because right, Daniel doesn't have any power to leverage here. He's already been like ripped away from his home with a whole bunch of other people and like, here's the program, you're going through it. No, we're not going to make any exceptions. Um, he doesn't like stage a sit-in or a protest or develop a political agenda. He's under authority and only has what options they give him. Like, what do you do? Um, but here's what he does. He trusts that God is in control over the people that are in authority over him, uh, and that God can take care of him. But put it this way, he assumes that there is a way of escape from temptation. Uh, Paul says to us later in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, that God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with a temptation, he will also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Uh, Daniel tested that. Daniel proved that. Daniel trusted in that. Um, he, he said, I'm not going to compromise on this, and I'm going to move the way forward, and, and God can give me uh, that, that change, that opportunity. He can, uh, he can overrule it. And God gave him favor on the side of the chief of the eunuchs. We don't, we don't see Daniel uh, power playing or manipulating. He asks. He asks from one underneath, politely, compellingly, and if his authority wants to help him. He gave him favor and compassion, and he's like, hey, I want to do that. I, I can see that that matters to you. Listen, though, the king said, this is, the, this is what he gave you, and it can come back on my head that the issue is whether you're, whether you're well, well fit, whether you're healthy from what you eat. Um, so he goes, okay, I get it. Not want to put you at stake, but you're telling me here's what the issue is. So he talks to the steward who's under him and says, hey, can we come to this agreement? Give us, give us a test for 10 days. Um, let us eat, eat this. It's not, um, by the way, it's not like vegan, vegetarian, that they're only eating like broccoli, like all day long. They're just eating broccoli. It's like a miracle. They're, they're still okay. It would have been like fruits and stuff as well, or breads, and what a more of a kind of vegetarian diet that we talk about. Um, <clears throat> um, but not the meat, not the wine. Um, and he says, test us for 10 days and then see. And then, then it's in your hands and you do what you, what you will from there. But he's confident that God's able to make that work out, that God will give them a way of, of escaping temptation, that he doesn't have to compromise because God's in control. And so uh, God uh, does uh, provide. They don't have to compromise. He retains his essential identity as following the Lord. Uh, we need to realize that what we do forms who we are. Uh, we kind of don't want to think about it that way. We're going to be like, oh, I have these really good goals, and I'm working toward those things, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I know, I know, but, but really, I've got these goals, this is, the right, this is the person that I want to be, I'm making the New Year's resolutions, if I follow those, I'll be a wonderful person, right? Um, but then, you know, a couple months in, you realize, like, yeah, yeah, because what you do is forming who you are. It's an reflection of who you are, and then you continue, you set a pattern, 
And you continue to, to follow in that pattern. We like to think of ourselves better, but our actions form us in patterns of behavior that we go on to replicate. Here, what Daniel does is set the pattern early to stand faithful to the Lord. It's a pattern of depending on what God gives. And he rests himself entirely in that. And he's a God who gives grace. He gives grace and favor for his people and for Daniel. A third thing, given success. Uh, first, given away uh, to their enemies. Secondly, given favor in the sight of their enemies. Uh, and thirdly, given success. God gave them success even beyond uh, their enemies. Uh, the third section essentially, essentially describes their graduation, so to speak. If you want to take this as a college experience, uh, then here's their, here's their graduation. They, had a, um, they, they finished top of their class. Um, as I've heard this before in a Bible study, they, they finished summa cum laude, right? Top of their class, maybe valedictorians, whatever. Um, their final exam was an oral exam. There they are before King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's quizzing them. And he's asking them on every matter of knowledge and wisdom and learning. And they've got all the answers. <laughs> that would feel good if it always went that way, right? That's what you want to feel when you go into, into these tests. <laughs> uh, Babylonian mythology, religion, literature, astrology, all the different things of Babylonian culture says ten times better than all the other wise men in Babylon. And even if there's hyperbole going on there, which I think is intentional as part of the cultural expressions, it's still a huge statement of they went through it in three years and they've got it better than everybody. Uh, They learned it. Not their culture, not what they loved, not what they thought was right. Uh, And they knew it and knew it well. Why? Because God gave them success. Because as for those four youths, God gave them learning and skill and all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding and visions and dreams. Because God gave it, because everything's under his control. Um, he gave that in part through their natural intelligence that they were born with, through some of their experiences that formed them up to that time. Uh, through their dil- they still had to study diligently over those three years to, to get to that point. And, and God was giving all of that. And with them, I threw it. Uh, the passage makes it clear. God gave it. I see this in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 4. As Paul's uh, talking to the church in Corinth, he asks rhetorically, what do you have that you didn't receive? Uh, he goes on to say, if you, uh, <clears throat> if you have because you receive it, why do you, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Uh, all that we have comes uh, from God. Everything comes uh, from above, from God. We're dependent on what he gives. Sum it up this way. We're, we're dependent when everything's out of our control. Even when he gives horrible uh, his, uh, circumstances like the historical circumstances of the exile. Outside of their control. And we're dependent on what God gives. And we're dependent when we have a choice about who we'll follow and what we'll do. Even when we can't see how that choice will get worked out. Uh, we're dependent on, on what he gives. And we're dependent on him even for our natural ability and for any diligence uh, to use it and for any success that we hope for. It's all under his power, his control. It's all dependent on what he gives. It's God who gives tragedy. Uh, it is God who gives uh, success. And ultimately, uh, God is a God who gives his son. Uh, gives his son uh, to us for our hope and salvation to rescue us even from ourselves. 
um, to rescue us uh, from our defilement and our pollution and our corruption because we're not all that much like Daniel. A God who gives his son in our place both for tragedy and for success because he was rejected because of our defilement, because of our half-heartedness, because of our open rebellion. Uh, And he took that punishment of death for us so that whoever believes in him can have life, have new life, have a new permanent identity in him so that we get to share in the success of resurrection because our Lord is raised from the dead and ruling over all. And he says, believe in me and you are mine and you are with me and I give myself for you so that we can follow him, so that we can be dependent on what he gives, confidently resting in our God who gives grace to us in Christ.